It's Friday, and it's time for a recap of the week with my good friend Chris Michaels. We'll talk about Bilderberg, the Sanus and his announcement to run for president, and the bills that he's been putting in. Will this hurt his chances? We'll get into Feinstein and whether there should be term limits. How old is too old to serve? RFK Jr. has a new campaign manager. Just wait till you hear who that is. And the Supreme Court. Will we have another June surprise? Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened with Greg and Chris, because why? It's Friday, and that means everybody's lovable fuzzball is here with us from the Last Call podcast <laughs> with Chris Michaels. Now, Chris, do you even call people fuzzballs anymore? I just love that. I, you- I have to start up again. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while because it's been a rough week. I've just been trying to plow through all these things, and I have to wow. come up with new monikers. I can't just call... <laughs> call everybody a fuzzball yeah i'll tell you it's like an endearing part like i'm sure like i call my listeners bold americans and when people tune into your show they can love being called a lovable fuzzball and i think that there's something endearing about that so don't go too far away from and i I understand if you come up with something different in the future but i still like it i think you're on to something there too because i get that a lot people they like i get people that are bodybuilders and they're i i like being a fuzzball (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I mean, you shave every inch of your body <laughs> and you're a fuzzball. I mean, at least let <laughs> at least let something grow. Maybe, maybe some chin hair, something, anything. And then obviously, if you can hear in the background, that is the parakeet Chi Chi. She's the program observer. Chiming She's the in. program director, program yeah. director now. So I finally got a producer after all these years. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's our Friday producer, everybody, here on she the American is. Emboldened Show. She certainly is, and she always well, says meaningful things. Well, if you were listening to the show last week uh, or you've listened in the past, then you know that Chris Michaels is a regular on the America Out Loud, America Out Loud Network through my show, America Emboldened. And uh, we figured we love doing these things so much. Why not end the week with a recap of what's going on in stories with Chris and myself and get an American emboldened show with uh, the irreverent and then me on maybe a little bit more straight arrowed and straight laced. Uh, and so it's a nice mix. And I, I've had a lot of good feedback from last week. People really enjoyed the show, although they wondered if we were going to do this one nude since we said it was going to be the Ooh. naked truth. And so oh. I did get a message about that. And uh, just so you know, we're fully clothed. It is 2023, but uh, we're a little bit more on the conservative value side. So uh, there's there's no uh, drag shows during our show. Oh. Uh, this, this is not Florida. <laughs> we don't need any laws, DeSantis, anything going by right now. Oh, oh man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Did you see Miller Lite? Yes. And, and what like they you- decided to do? <laughs> All right. They so- decided to go one step further past Bud Light with Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> I, I got to find out. So 
<laughs> good friends of mine own a place called Wilmington Brew Works in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh-huh. And uh, Craig is their master brewer. Uh, he is a genius. He comes up with some amazing brews, but he knows brew history extremely well, as well as uh, a guy by the name of John Medkiff. He's a historian that lives here in Delaware that's written books on brewing. I need to find out if that entire Miller Lite thing was BS about women's role in brewing all this time, because I always thought that like the Trappist monks had a huge role. I always thought it was part of like the medieval time period uh, with mead and making beer. I know that it does go back centuries earlier, but I, I want to bring on an expert for that side of uh, the equation. But what are the beer companies doing? Do they think all of a sudden Miller Lite is like, you know, we've been showing lots of breasts during the Miller Lite halftime show, but <laughs> now we're going to cover up the, the biddies. And uh, we're going to make this a family wholesome. Hey, everybody, it's a family entertainment. Drink some Miller Lite and get drunk and drive your car. I mean, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> and the oh, by the way, of alcoholism. Uh, yeah. And by the way, we're, we're allowed to say excrements in a more foul form <laughs> 15 times in one advertisement. Hey, it's so stupid. Like, what do you think you're doing? And people were actually going towards Miller Lite more often now because of the Bud Light thing. What do you think they're going to do now? They're going to go for Molson. They're going to they're going to go for girls. Light. <laughs> I mean, in, in fairness, hasn't Coors Light always been girls light? Like, I mean, that was I always think so. like, yeah, Miller Light so. was the beer that I would go to the bar when I first got out of college and I'd get a Miller Light, sit with my buddies and be like, all right, look. I, I'm not so cheap to drink Bud. I'm not, you know, so girly to drink Coors. I'm having a nice Miller Lite, you know, and I'd go with that. Now I don't even drink, so it doesn't neither here nor there. But you seem more like a Zima type person. Oh, if you remember? No. <laughs> Screw you! <laughs> I've never touched the Zima in my life. No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. So White Claw then? Is that it? No, Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get oh, it right, Chris Michaels. Man. Oh, I got such heartburn when Bartles I tried that. Bartles and James. Oh, God. Now it's making the, me sound like an old man. Yeah, right? The worst, I'll tell you what, the worst drink that I could possibly have, or actually top two worst drinks, anything whiskey. If I drink anything whiskey, I, one glass of that, I am done. I, I, it's not that I feel drunk or anything. It's that I feel hungover within an hour. The second worst thing, any IPA. Mm, I don't IPAs, yeah. talk to me about IPAs. Oh, it's, it's such a fruity citrus aroma. Is it? No, no. it tastes like piss. Yeah, no, IPAs <laughs> actually. IPA. <laughs> there's a study that the more hoppy you like your beer, and hop beer is IPA beer, yeah. the more you like that, the crazier that you are. There's actually mental illness Ugh. that has been tied to people. This is a true scientific study. They've tied people having uh, psychotic episodes to people who like hops and IPAs. Yeah, because so, it's so terrible. They have nothing yeah. else to do. <laughs> Why don't you drink something you enjoy? Right. All right. Uh, well, now that we've alienated all of our hop drinkers, our Miller Light drinkers, and uh, uh, Coors so Light drinkers, what? whatever. <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to the show today, everybody. It's Friday, May nineteenth. We're having a blast here, and we got some big things going on in the world. Uh, <laughs> I go back to Alex Jones in like 2001. He was, was like the first person to ever talk about the Bilderberg meetings, yes. which was where all the elites in the world were. He was saying meeting in Bohemian Grove, and he used to talk about all these different places they, they met. Well, eventually we found out that it wasn't conspiracy theory, that the elites really were meeting and they were speaking in secrecy. There's a code when you go to a Bilderberg meeting about what you can and cannot say. 
Uh, really? So the people, yeah, yeah. So they actually have a press release and I wanted to start off the show by maybe telling everybody a little bit about what they're going to talk about and how the conversations go. I'm going to start at the end of the press release and talk about why you don't hear about uh, specific people and what they said. It says, thanks to the private nature of this meeting, the participants take part as individuals rather than in any official capacity and hence are not bound by the conventions of their office or pre-agreed positions. As such, they can take time to listen, reflect, and gather insights. There is no detailed agenda, no resolutions are proposed, no votes are taken, and no policy statements are issued. The key topics for discussion this year are, and again, I'm reading this right off the BilderbergMeetings.org webpage. They're going to be discussing AI, the banking system, China, and I'm reading this in order, so notice the importance of this. I'm following along. Energy transition, Europe, fiscal challenges, India, industrial policy and trade, NATO, Russia, transnational threats, Ukraine, and U.S. leadership. This apparently has been going on now that we know since 1954. It used to be hidden in the shadows, and since Alex Jones put it out there, it's now wide out in the open. They even put a press release to let us know, hey, there's a bunch of people that are going to make a lot of really important conversations that are likely going to affect policies in the future. And uh, you and I don't get invited to that, do we, Chris? No, my, my invite got lost in the mail. Yeah, I'm still I waiting for mine. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the list of people that are going? I, I did. And so that was interesting, too. So I, in alphabetical order, I was just interested in the USA. But something that jumped out at me right from the get-go is the Atlantic staff writer, Ann Applebaum. Because a lot of these people are working in AI. They're working at like the chair and CEO advisor, Albert Berla. But what the hell is a journalist doing at a conference that you're not allowed to do journalism at? Well, what about number one? Uh, Stacey Abrams. Abrams. Yep. What's Sage that Productions. about? Yep. Yes. Why are how these Stacey people Abrams? <laughs> yeah. How is Stacey Abrams one of the most influential people in the world that everybody wants to hear from? Explain that to me. Uh, I, there must be something going on. And, and so to go back to what you just read. Oh, we can't. We, there's no policy. You don't have to worry about that. There's no legislation that happens. Nothing is actually on paper. Everything is fine. We're just chatting and teetotaling. Really, the most powerful people on the planet. Also, by the way, being held in Lisbon, Portugal, which for anybody that knows anything about Portugal during World War II, it was a massive intelligence hub. And so a lot of exiled governments used to end royalty, used to live in Lisbon and hang out in Portugal. And both the Axis and the Allies used to transport spies and all sorts of paraphernalia through Portugal, through Spain and into Europe and in and out. Right. Watch uh, Casablanca. You'll have an idea from about that with Humphrey Bogart. So there's something interesting about all of this. I think you're going to see a resurgence of royalty. Mm. You're going to start to see a resurgence of top-down management and government. And I didn't put it together until I listened to a podcast with, um, uh, with uh, Joseph Farrell. And he brought up all of these insignia on, on these flags now, like the Russian flag. They're bringing back all of the royal insignia. Mm. And now we've got a new king in England, who everyone is saying he's going to be very, very um, militaristic. Now, I, I don't know why they're saying that, but they are saying that he's going to be like a wartime king. What, what do you mean? Why? 
So what this says to me is that I think they're going to maybe start revamping how they're going to start governing. It could be that a lot of these royal heads are going to become more and more popular. I mean, at the Bilderberg, you also have Henry Kissinger going again. I mean, Henry Kissinger looks like a toad. And did you see his wife? His wife looks like John Kerry. It's awful. <laughs> isn't it? It's you heinous. Know, isn't it weird how the older men get, uh, the older we look like like old women, and the older women get, the more they look like old men. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> you see like Paul McCartney now of the Beatles, and all of a sudden like he looks like somebody's like eighty three year old grandmother. <laughs> or Howard Stern. What the Howard hell Stern, is yeah. up with that guy? Uh, he's he's oh, always been a, an oddball. Yeah, he's I never no sorry. Yeah. And here's another one: Eric Schmidt. CEO and chair of Google. What's the matter? Larry Page couldn't make it. Why couldn't Larry Page make it? So he, Eric Schmidt is the former CEO of Google. I just want to point right. that out too as yes. well. Right. Um, so I, I thought that that was kind of interesting because with the AI and seeing that somebody is a former person with, with uh, Google, I was like, huh, why not just have the current people from Google unless he knows something and has right. left to go back into the intelligence side. So one of the things I noticed, I went back through the Bilderberg meetings to see where they were held uh, throughout the years. One, one always, more thing, one more guy, yeah. one more guy, yeah. Peter Thiel. Oh yeah. Who so just you know said Peter he's not going to be given, yeah, not going to be given money. <laughs> right. But Peter Thiel, is supposed to be the big time Trump supporter. He's the one that pulls all the strings from behind the scenes, right? Well, Even he, though he, he's backed off that he's backed off. He said that right. during this election, he can no longer support Trump. Right. So he's backed off of that. But I want to tie it to something that or um, somebody that's still around. Peter Thiel is doing something called Seasteading. And he's part of a group called Seasteading.org. Which is strikingly similar to Ghislaine Maxwell's Terramar, where they're trying to become citizens of the global commons. So if you're a citizen of the global commons, that means that you're a citizen of the oceans and you're not beholden to any nation's laws. Very interesting. And if you look it up, seasteading.org. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They want to build cities on the water. It's like a, a water world. They have these solar right. panels and they're right. in these clusters uh, that almost um, are in the shape of like the uh, hexagonal, yeah, yep. which, you know, we could do a show on hexagons. I'm sure just oh, sure. itself, I'm sure. uh, the imagery from Disney all the way through uh, to COVID and everything else. But uh, so, so the other little thing, little tidbit that came out this week was that the New York post now says that the sea levels aren't going to rise in New York City. New York City is going to sink. Sink. It's sinking. That's what they said. <laughs> Due to the weight of the city, it is it's now built sinking. on bedrock. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I think possibly one of these objectives at this Bilderberg meeting is going to be to continue along the route of this nonsensical climate change uh, uh, revamping of society. And I right. think you're going to start seeing that kind of that kind of rhetoric come out of these things. I was going to say so, support location. So, what are you talking about? Yeah. The support your location. So if you look at everywhere it's hosted, it's always near a central intelligence hub, whether it's in Italy, <laughs> in Turin, whether it's in Washington, DC, or when it's in Virginia near, you know, 
Guanica, whether it's going out to uh, Montreux, Switzerland, it's always around central parts of the intelligence agencies. And so I think that you're definitely uh, making a strong uh, argument that you could say, well, why are they having it in the locations where they're having it? How come this isn't in San Diego, California, where the weather's nice and sunny all, all year long? How come this isn't on the Arizona desert? Uh, why is this near the intelligence hubs? Why are we seeing that the people are talking about the uh, most important parts of China, which right now, if you've been listening to my show, you know that I believe that we're headed for war with China and de-dollarization. It's one of the largest threats. The banking system's at the top of this list because they know that the banks are failing right now. They're they're struggling, the local banks, and things are going to have to change. They're talking about AI because AI is going to put so many people out of work. I was talking to somebody today that I work with, and he was saying, you know, I don't think AI is going to be that bad. I think everybody's just completely uh, kind of putting this out. Like, you know, it, it doesn't have the ability to actually be transient or reason. And I'm going, it just told people how to position eggs on top of a laptop in order that the eggs could be crushed and all the items could go there. It's spatial reasoning. And I like, heard well, that. Yeah, like that's spatial crazy. reasoning. That's scary. That's um, hard. Or, or learning a whole language, even though it doesn't know it. Right. And then they say, well, we don't know how it happened. We don't know how AI did it. Well, that should be a red flag right there. (laughs) If an AI learns a whole language that you did not teach it, it's definitely learning things. And what you have to remember is that's that's just what we're seeing. What do they have behind closed doors that they're not telling us about? And how, and this is what I think, through the Patriot Act, because the Patriot Act basically allows the government to infiltrate any kind of business in the United States. Through the Patriot Act, how are they able to suck up all of your metadata, feed it to an AI, and then do predictive, whatever, predictive program, whatever it is, right? They were, I was listening to a Twitter space today, and they were talking about how, uh, because of the most recent Twitter file that came out today, they were talking about how Twitter used to use learning and AI and, and whatever else to censor smaller accounts. So yeah. if I said something about COVID or you said something about COVID, I would be instantly banned and so would you. But if somebody like Kim.com said something about COVID, it would actually be reviewed by an actual person. And the, the impact could be me just retweeting what Kim.com said, I'd get suspended for it. So to say that AI won't impact us, it already has. And we're just allowed to see it now through chat GPT and Bing AI. And, and what's the other one? Doesn't Snapchat have an AI now? Yes, Snapchat has one. Uh, there's a couple other systems right now that are working in the background. Facebook has one that's not public facing. Um, yeah, I think every tech company at this point in time has developed AI. They're, they're all using it, which tells you the military is using it. The Pentagon has it. Um, you know, it's this is not just Google. It's not just Microsoft. No. Not at all. And then so that begs the question, does that mean that they are essentially governing through AI, which would explain why you see some of the ridiculousness, like Diane Feinstein still being in her seat, um, <laughs> like Joe Biden being president? Or right. now, uh, you're, now you're now you're pushing my buttons. You're pushing my buttons because that's something I wanted to talk to you about, right? Like we got Biden, we got Feinstein, we got uh, Fetterman. 
Fetterman, well, Fetterman doesn't have ageism. Fetterman's just absolutely, well, I can't say it. You can say it. You're a reverend. I'm not going to use that. Uh, word. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel bad for the guy. Oh, I feel uh, horrible for him. He can't help it. I mean, like, I do. God, like, God for help me if, you know, I ever have a stroke or whatever. I'm sure it's one of the hardest things to come back from. I've seen people deal with it. It's, it's horrifying. But I, I would hope that if I had a stroke, I wouldn't sit there and run for president or senator or Congress right afterwards and go, I'm all good, everybody. Just, just prop me up like Weekend at Bernie's. We're good. Yeah. I, I hope that wouldn't happen. And did you see that they're dressing up how he speaks? Yes. His communications people are, are editing his speech to make him sound competent. Yeah. Did you hear and him this week? I did, but I don't remember all of it. Well, you wouldn't remember it because it wasn't coherent. Yeah, was, they played it today and I was half listening to it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was trying to ask questions and the people were not responding because his questions were incoherent. They sounded like riddles. It sounded like kind of like the old Batman. Riddle me this, Batman. If an elevator goes up the stairs and the government maybe, allows people through the border, then how is the elevator going through the roof? That's literally uh, what it sounded like. <laughs> A ballpoint banana is probably yes. the answer. That that's uh, awful. That's awful. And and did you see the pictures of him and his wife? Yeah. His wife would make sure that the camera angle was low enough to get her shoes in the picture, but he would they would cut off Fetterman's <laughs> head. And that's all you have to know about what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about the age issue. Diane Feinstein, who now like she looks like she can't open her left eye. She's coming in in a wheelchair. She basically looks like, you know, she's in hospice care while she attends uh, <laughs> doing our duties here as a public servant. Why are we so quick in the workplace nowadays to say, you know what, that man's 60 years old. I don't think we're going to hire him. We can hire somebody that's a real uh, energetic in their thirties or forties, pay them a nice salary and do better. And we understand that age as people get older, that performance can decline. Meanwhile, our entire government right now is run by like a median age in their 70s when it comes to our seniority of government. You have people like Pelosi, you got uh, um, Biden. Uh, everybody basically is Schumer is pretty old at this point. Uh, Mitch Sanders. McConnell's ancient Bernie Sanders. Right. I mean, you can basically name a name. Then if it wasn't for people like AOC, uh, then the mean age would definitely be even higher. Uh, she's helping to pull that down in Laura, Lauren Bobbert, which, by the way, she's going through a divorce. We got to hit that at some point, too. <laughs> no, well, no, no, maybe we talk about the divorce. I don't think we're going to hit anything. No, 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 we're not gonna hit. no, no I, I'm a married man. I ain't hitting that. <laughs> Staying far away from that. <laughs> um, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Clarify Why? that right now. Yes. <laughs> Why are we obsessed as a country with keeping old people in power? Well, I don't think it's necessarily us keeping old people in power. I don't think the voters are doing that to you. Yeah. Do you think the voters did? The voters 81 keep, yeah, the voters keep voting for the same old crap over and over and over again. And the Democrats are largely the blame for this. I think it is more rampant on the Democrat side, although yeah. I heard Mitch McConnell speak yesterday and he does not sound good. I mean, no. He is worse for wear. The turtle is on his way out. Yep. Um, and well, see, the thing is, is that I don't believe necessarily that people are actually voting for the person. It's almost like we're having a parliamentary style voting system now where we're just voting for the party. 
right? right. Who are you going to vote for? You're going to vote for Trump, who is just as old as anybody else in, in Congress. But yet he's somehow, thanks to Adderall and Diet Coke, I assume, he's somehow able to come out with energy and be coherent and interact with a crowd. He can improv. He can do all those things. But if you ask Biden a question that's not on his little cards, then he just smiles at you and walks away. So I think now what we're seeing is people voting for party because they're so polarized and they're not thinking. Like, let's assume that Trump did not get the nomination for one reason mm -hmm. or another, but RFK Jr. did. Who would you necessarily vote for? Let's just say it was DeSantis. DeSantis won the nomination on the Republican side. Would you vote for RFK or would you vote for DeSantis? <laughs> right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to immediately go, where's my third option? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Right. But the Democrats, even though somebody like DeSantis portrays himself as being an American and, and able to bring this stuff forward, like, hey, guess what? No more mRNA stuff. No more um, gain of function research in the state of Florida. Those are all good things. I don't care how you slice it. However, even though RFK won the nomination, he's a Democrat, they'll vote for him, even though they could categorize him as a conspiracy theorist for talking about RNA, mRNAs, and right. how the big pharma industry works. Even though they're talking about the same things, right? RFK Jr. talking about big pharma and all the abuses, uh, DeSantis saying no more gain of function, no more mRNA shots in the state of Florida, those people would still vote for RFK just because he's a Democrat. And it also seems like these Democrats and whoever else is older in Congress, they're in there because they know that the people around them will be able to push the policy. They're just the figurehead. Perfect example, Joseph Biden. Do you think he's really coming up with all these policies? No, not all. I don't think he's in right. charge whatsoever. I think most of the day he's in bed. Uh, Putting a lid on it, right? Around. By 9 a.m.? Yeah, he's, he's having some ice cream. Yeah, they caught a lid on it at 1 p.m. the other day. Like, what president in my lifetime outside of Biden ever called a lid on it at 1 o'clock unless they were having a colonoscopy? Like, this makes no sense to me what's going on with our country. Uh, you know, so one of my listeners, uh, he's he's a faithful listener. He listens to every episode. But during my my Biden show uh, last week, after the Republicans came out and they said, you know, there's tens of millions of dollars going to all these different Biden families. He's like, look, I made it eight eight minutes into your show and I turned it off. He said, because, I saw that. Yeah, he's like, you know, you're you're saying that there's no Biden family crime syndicate. You're saying that this is a witch hunt on both sides, and he uh, found that disappointing. I'm not sure that if that's the way that episode came off, I'm not sure that you really understood it, my listeners. So I wanted to kind of clarify with Chris on the show now, because I feel like, Chris, you're going to be similar to me. It's not that I don't think the Bidens are corrupt. It's not that I don't think that they are just as much involved in laundering in some way, shape or form and taking care of their own, just as all these other politicians are. I'm tired of always being told just wait till this report comes out. People are going to jail. And at this point, the Democrats play the game. The Republicans now are playing the game. And there is never anything of good substance that comes out of it. And so I feel like I'm being held hostage every time I turn on the news to find out what these reports are on C-SPAN or wherever they're putting their press briefing. And I have a problem with that. 
I have a problem with saying, okay, well, we're going to get the Biden crime family. Where are the reports? Where are the things that are chargeable crimes from the laptop? Where are the chargeable crimes from all of the wiring of money they just saw? Why is it that we can see the money? And we, you and I both know if that type of money is going around, that's a problem. But why is it we cannot find criminal charges? What's going on? You had a theory when we spoke last about it. Well, I think the whole process behind this is just red meat for the masses because they don't really want the game to be over. And that goes for both sides. I, I look at, um, well, the easy thing, look at Hunter Biden and all that. And then they came out with, oh, the FBI was squashing the whole thing, the whole Hunter Biden laptop from the top. So we're talking about Comey and all those people. And you even had this Durham report. Everybody was out there saying how great this is going to be. They can't wait to see it. That's it. Bring out the guillotines. Well, what happened? Nothing. They basically said, yeah, we did all of this stuff and we're still getting away with it because there were no additional charges. Nothing else was brought forward. So what I thought that whole thing was, Durham acted as the cleanup guy. He's investigating everything that went on. He's coordinating with the DOJ saying, look, you broke the law here. You broke the law here. You broke the law there. And before I put this in the report, you better change what you're doing. And so they did. Durham came out with his report. The FBI, almost within, what, an hour, 30 minutes of that report, came out and said, guess what? We don't have a problem. We've changed everything since 2016. We can just go right back to business as normal prior to Trump. Isn't that fantastic? So, no, nothing's happening. This is red meat for the masses. They just want to gin up votes. They don't want the circus to end because they're both in on it. See, if I was ever in Congress, the first thing I would do is I would say, or I would pass a motion, legislation, whatever you want to call it. I want to know how many fraternal organizations you belong to. I want to know if you're a Mason, you're a Rosicrucian, a Templar, or whatever else. And I want you to wear a stupid little lapel on your jacket to let everybody know where you're coming from. Because I think once you start doing that, then you can start to see how all of these people coordinate behind closed doors. It's never over a cell phone. It's never over a text message. It's in some temple off or, uh, or the Knights of Columbus somewhere. Because they're both in on it. That's it. They're both in on it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just tired of it. And uh, I, I find that until there is something of substance where I'm like, hey, there it is, then I don't it's, know why I'm wasting time and my breath on it. It's and nothing. I, that's what I just want for my listeners. I want my listeners not to get caught into the drama because there's so many more important things that are actually going on right now than worrying about a uh, an investigation that is likely already covered up by the FBI likely already knows how it's going to play out because they are the intelligence community. And so therefore, you know, I'm just kind of moving on until we find whistleblowers, yeah. people willing to talk about it. I am going to move on to the things I can control. If they don't disappear, like the right. whistleblowers with Biden who keep disappearing. Right. How did that happen? I, I thought the Clintons were good at that. I guess they, they taught the Bidens a few things, <laughs> right? So here's how I knew that old Durham thing was nonsense. He didn't even talk to Comey. As soon as I read that, I was done. Done. Yeah. I know this wasn't going anywhere. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah, and I and wanted to I know. agree with you. 
it's, it's all nonsense. People need to stop focusing on this. People need to start understanding that this kind of, these kinds of reports and presentations, they are there as limited air outs. If anybody knows anything about the intelligence community, when you do a limited air out, you tell most of the truth, you don't tell all the truth, but you tell enough of the truth so that you can concoct a story and a narrative to make it all go away. Yeah, I want to know where's Loretta Lynch in that report? Where's Hillary Clinton in that report? Where's the Obama administration, Comey? You know, in what he talked about, there's nothing about the tarmac, which if you look at the timeline of how everything went down against Trump, it all started to unravel after the tarmac meeting. And, you know, I don't buy this whole, oh, we talked about our grandchildren. We just caught up. That's why you <laughs> ran onto a, a plane's tarmac. You were so concerned about Hillary's grandkids. Like, bull. Get out of here. Anyway, we got to take a break, Chris. We're uh, we're up against it. We'll be right back on the opposite side here. We're going to cover uh, DeSantis. It's hearing rumors he's going to be announcing next week that he's running for president, but he's making some waves in Florida. Will his bills hurt his opportunity? And are we headed for another Supreme Court June surprise? Affirmative action. We might have a decision and the country might be up in arms once again for the second straight year. All right, everybody, make sure you go to the website, americaoutloud.com, where you can check out all of our sponsors, products like Cofix RX, a uh, Povid iodine. I almost said that wrong, Chris. We got it. A Povid iodine nasal spray that helps protect you from viruses and bacteria for up to eight hours. If you go onto that website, you get a discount just for listening to the episode. Right back after the break, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg and Chris here on the America Out Loud Network. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here on this lovely Friday. Man, we are bringing lots of good topics here, Chris. We're going to get into DeSantis. It sounds like he is going to announce sometime next week. So here we are, Friday, May 19th, and we're hearing that DeSantis is about to make it official. He's going to enter the White House race. Has he damaged his brand with his Disney talk, with the don't say gay uh, type of things, the way the Democrats were able to uh rebrand his bill uh recently he just signed uh bills on wednesday of this week that talked about banning gender affirming care for minors targeting drag shows uh pronouns in schools and if you're a male you have to use a male bathroom if you're a female you have to use a female bathroom will this backfire him on him in a larger conversation once he announces it's official i don't see how i mean who is he who is he potentially alienating liberals who are already mad at him, who would never vote for him in the first place? I mean, it's okay. So do all those things. I still think that DeSantis is possibly a Trojan horse um, because he does and says all the right things. And I don't, I don't put it past the world economic forum types to sacrifice the state of Florida to get their man in the white house. And then once he's in the white house, you do the whole Obama thing and flip everything on its head and just do what you want anyway. Um, so do I think all of that's going to hurt him? Pro- if he gets the nomination, probably not. Do I think he can shorten a, what, a 50-point lead between he and Trump? I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's Like I said, he says all the right things, but I do not think there are enough rhino Republicans that would vote for him compared to right. MAGA Republicans. See, I'll tell you what I think hurts him. This whole Disney stuff. Like, I remember when you had Ronald Reagan, who was all about supporting the businesses and allowing the trickle-down economics, which I know trickle-down economics didn't work the way everybody romanticizes that it would work. But it still was about respecting the sovereignty of business and capitalism. And DeSantis has been going after uh, Disney quite literally at the... uh, hurt of his own state. There was just recently, I think I saw it was like $16 billion or 1 billion. I forget how much it was. I think it was 16 billion. I got to find the article, but it was the Disney thing, right? Yeah. It was that Disney, like $16 billion project. And they're like, you know what? The Santa screw you. We're canceling it. It was a billion. And they just pulled the plug today. Okay. And they, I don't know they where I got 16 billion. <laughs> <laughs> and they, it was a billion dollars. Uh, it was known as the Lake Nona town center project. Um, and apparently they were trying to hire upwards of like a thousand employees or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so Disney just said, forget about it. If you don't accept our trans agenda, then, you know, (laughs) we're not, we're not for Florida. I I think I found where I got that. They still plan on investing 17 billion in Florida over the next 10 years. Um, but it does seem like that we're going to get in this fight between Disney and government and should a governor be fighting with a private company the way that he is at the peril of his own state. And does that not kind of tell people, oh, gee, 
that might be a huge red flag if he were to become president for the way that he might be doing business. Well, once again, who is he potentially alienating? He's potentially alienating liberal voters who wouldn't vote for him in the first place. Because I can promise you, Republican voters, and I'll even uh, throw in the rhinos for that, they would probably vote for him because he's doing this kind of thing. And because he's outlawing. I, I the, think there's enough conservatives like Peter Thiel talked about this on a podcast I was listening to. There's enough conservatives, too, that would still look at the fact that like, hey, get your hands out of my pocket. Allow me to do what I want to do um, just because you don't like you know, what we stand for. You're bringing government and you're discriminating against my business practice. That's that's anti-capitalism. I, I think there's enough conservatives that would not like seeing a leader try to put their hands in their pockets. Maybe, maybe. But I think at this point, the amount of consideration that people are giving to the social structure in the United States right now, when it comes to the transgender agenda um, and all the LGBTQ stuff, um, and, and because, you know, you have to break up that, that population to two. You've got the, the activist portion of it, and then you've got the more conservative side of it, which says, yeah, I'm a lesbian. Yeah, I'm a gay guy. But really, this this whole transgender movement really isn't for kids. And there's no way you should be talking about this to kids sure. anyway. I think they would, those people would still probably vote for DeSantis, too. As far as the, the business type of it, I think the average lunch bucket Pete voter, which outnumbers the business owners in this country, they're going to look at this and say, DeSantis is taking charge by telling this business, this Disney, who influences our children and influences what they watch, what we watch, and when there's symbolism and whatever they put in their movies, he's telling them enough is enough. Stop with the wokeness and just make family-friendly programming and movies. We don't but, but, need the social so, policy to go along with it. So this is where my libertarian parts, I, I, you know, you and I normally see pretty eye to eye, but I disagree with you on this. I don't think that it's the Santas or any government's job to tell a private company to stop being woke. It's it's actually the way the free market works. Like, you know, I can cancel my Disney Plus. You can choose not to watch Disney. Um, you can choose not to take your family vacations there, and you can hurt their dollars by making those type of choices. I think you get into a really dangerous spot where you tell people you can't be woke. Now, I, I'm on the same page as you are when it comes to gender affirming care, and we shouldn't be predatory upon our youth. But when it comes to a company that says, hey, this is what we're doing, I may find what some of this company does disgusting, but the company still has a right to do it, and people vote with their dollars. Are you on a different ideology than I am on that? Well, let me ask you this question. What happens if this company is so advanced with its practices that the people that are sampling their wares mm -hmm. don't even know they're being manipulated? Well, I mean, hello, TikTok. That's, the, that's that. Yeah, that's the average uh, citizen of the earth at this point in time. Right. The average ham and egger doesn't even know that they're being manipulated. So still, you're calling point, for government regulations that protect people from themselves. At, well, yes and no, because I agree with you. Stay out of my business. But right. at the same time, at what point does a governing body relinquish control of the custodianship of the society? At what point do you say, hey, this business is out of control and there's something else going on here? Because we see all of these other businesses throughout the United States, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, all promoting this kind of agenda, Bud Light 
promoting this kind of agenda. At what point do you put the brakes on this? Because I promise you those marketing teams over there, they are probably more well-funded in how to manipulate people and know how to manipulate people using dark psychology. They probably know that a lot more than the average person looking at this stuff and saying, oh, I just want to buy this and I want to spend a vacation there. I mean, I I had a friend of mine, he went to uh, Disney recently for a week, 10,000 bucks. I'd rather go to an island and <laughs> <Now, now, laughs> <I'm> change. <laughs> speaking of Disney, I just want to say there was something I was really looking forward to at Disney. All right. So I, just for the record, uh, I've been to Disney before. took the family and yes, it's like a $10,000 trip. Yeah. But I really wanted to go to the Disney World's uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. It was okay. uh, I think you got picked up from the airport and they take you directly to the hotel, but you feel like you're going to outer space the way they do it. And you spend two days <laughs> really? in outer space on this galactic star cruiser. But when I got the cost for my family, it was close to $6,000 for two days. Oh. <laughs> Breaking news today. As I'm, as I'm researching for today's episode, Disney world's costly star Wars galactic star cruiser to close in late September. It's not profitable and it's closing. Now, this is something that they put. What? Likely a, <laughs> what? <laughs> they put close to a billion dollars into this. It just opened a year ago and it's already closing permanently. And I'm upset wow. about this. Damn now, you, wait Disney. a minute. $6,000 a day for how many people? Yep. For four. Four people, $6,000 a day. 6000 for the two days. 6000 for the two oh, days. For the two, so $3,000 so $3, a day. You, but you have to go for the two days because it's a two-day experience. Wow. And that's still not profitable. <laughs> it's, it's, apparently they're not getting enough pe- people to do it. Um, so they tried to do it. They said in a boutique experience, giving an opportunity to try new things on the smaller scale of just a hundred rooms booking. Um, and they're still not able to get people to do it. They spent $2 billion to construct this. I'm sorry. It was 2 billion. Um, and so this is now, uh, so it's gone. It went it's the way gone. of the Death Star. In September, it's gone. So now I got to figure out, Chris, do I go to Disney and spend this type of money, which I don't have, and mm. go on to this Galactic? Do I look for it? Are they going to do a fire sale of it? Because if they will, I'm going. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> now, I'm wait not a minute. Wait, hold that. on a second. I don't know. Say, I don't know Disney. <laughs> I've been to Disney one time in my life. I, okay. I had never any desire to ever go back. Universal is uh, much nicer than Disney. Just to put that out there. Oh, Universal is great. Yeah. So w- when you're telling me this is a two day experience, what yep. do you mean by that? Do you mean that you can't leave this place and it you cannot leave and, and it feels it, and it, looks like a real star destroyer? It, is that it? it looks just like a star destroyer. You're inside it. You can't leave because it's outer space. You look out your windows. You're looking at outer space. You're flying through space. You have space battles. You have stormtroopers that take control of the ship. And you have a battle against them um, and they have different age things. They have quests that you can go on to try to solve and all your foods included and all your drinks are included. Is I Rick mean, Moranis there? He doesn't shrink you. No. <laughs> 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 when will then be now, sir? We've been combing the hours. <laughs> We've been combing this desert for four hours. We ain't found us. <laughs> I'm surrounded uh, by us. <laughs> yes, that's such a good movie. Uh, I wish they had made a sequel when the prequels came out and everything, but they never did. So that's crazy. So I, yeah. it's an all-encompassing experience when you go on quests and it lasts for two days. Yes, it lasts and for you two have days. to say a minimum of two days. And it's and also whole- the 
It's also the highest rated thing Disney's ever done by their guest. Really? It's phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. They couldn't make it profitable. Holy smokes. How about doing it for a day? (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) But I mean, that kind of tells you a little bit about maybe what's going on with Disney, right? Like the Santa's is putting all these policies in place. Disney's fighting back. They're going back and forth, but if they're not able to turn something like that profitable and one of the largest, uh, you know, IPs in the world, star Wars, then I, I think it, it bears the mention that maybe people are responding with their dollars at Disney. Maybe it is, you know, the economy and people are like, well, we're not going to, we're not funding that. So maybe we're, we're seeing some pushback from the capitalist society. Uh, and maybe it's not just the Santa's, you, you, you know, maybe, maybe we're getting our way here. I think it's the big R I think it's recession because I don't care yeah. how you slice it. People are not able to spend as much as they used to. Yeah, I mean, no, I, 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 I I, I see won it in the recent, old day job. It's, yeah, it's not the I, same. <laughs> I I won a uh, a hotel for one week in September down near Disney in Orlando, mm-hmm. and my wife and I are like, "Look, we can't afford Disney each day, so we're going to make it. We're going to hang out at the pools, okay. go into Disney Springs, do some shopping. You know, just hang out with the kids." And uh, my friend works at Universal, so he's going to hook us up, and we'll go over there and check that out and do some Universal days. We love it. We we. Spent uh, a couple of weeks there, uh, well, a week there, I guess, uh, about two years ago. It was a blast. Universal's cheaper and it's much more entertaining. So we'll spend some time there. But, uh, you know, Disney's not on my list as far as uh, maybe I'll go to Animal Kingdom for the day. I don't know. <laughs> the last time I was in Orlando, I did falconry. So I had all kinds oh. of birds of prey on my arm. And I will tell you this. Uh, one of these owls, I think it was a great horned owl. These owls are so interesting because they allow you to touch them. The other birds, you don't really don't want to touch because you don't know what they're going to do because they brought out a lot of raptors. But these owls are constantly looking around and they could care less about you. We even lifted up the feathers and saw how long the legs were on this owl. It was huge. It looked like the guy was on stilts and he could care less. He's looking around, he's looking backwards and all this other stuff. So look up that if you want. I'll give you the guy's okay. name, and you could do some uh, falconry yeah, be over fun. there. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic! Cool. Absolutely fantastic. I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think we are out of the woods with all of this social media stuff. So, and and social media being woke and also fascistic with censoring everything. Because there were two articles that came out, the Twitter files article that I referenced earlier in the show, which focused on Taylor Lorenz. Now, Taylor Lorenz, if you don't know her, she's the person that doxed libs of TikTok. So she found out where the person lives, put all of their information out there so that everybody can find the owner of the account libs of TikTok on Twitter. And uh, she had no scruples for doing it. She didn't care about it. And we find out through Twitter files is that she had contacts within Twitter and also the Department of Justice to go after these people that she didn't like. And one of the people that she went out or went after called her out for being a snooty New York City snob that lived in a, a, what, a $6 million mansion in New York City. Attended a Swiss boarding school. (laughs) Yeah. And she's out there doing all that stuff. And meanwhile, she's contacting the Department of Justice 
and confiscating people's laptops. She did that in one instance. And the guy got his laptop back after three years and no charges. Do you know who her uncle is? No. The Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive, he owns it. Stop. And he so, erased <laughs> he he erased her entire past from the internet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that was that was in the Twitter files thread. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's a, that's a fact. I'm not making that up. Holy cow. So these people are outrageous. All of these people that are and it, we can even look at the Durham report, which does, you know, you can reference it. All of these people that squawk the most about fascism overpowering this country and this road with Donald Trump is only going to lead to dictatorship and we need to stop the Nazis. You so stop acting like the Nazis. Stop <laughs> stop stop giving Goebbels grins, even though the guy's dead for almost a century, 80 years, 70 years. The guy Goebbels is dead, but you people certainly took a few pages out of his playbook. You would make the Nazis proud. And then you have the other thing on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been banning journalists, a journalist on LinkedIn, for even referencing the Durham report. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know a little bit, the CEO of LinkedIn was the one that funded the lawsuit against Trump most recently. You remember the, the one that, uh, oh, Trump raped me in a, uh, in a dressing room. The CEO of LinkedIn funded that whole lawsuit. Like, he's this, also uh, a part of Microsoft, too. Somehow, I'm not surprised. Yes, yeah, there's a there's a Microsoft connection there as well with Bill Gates and uh, Chat GPT. I'm sure can only reinforce those. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chat GPT will be like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this question. Now yes. we'll go back to the Disney angle. Yep. Do you think? And remember COVID. Do you think that companies like LinkedIn and Twitter? should have the ability to censor people for talking about truthful data that goes against their personal political narrative. Do I think that they should have the ability? Um, it's going to pain me to say this and you're going to hate the answer, oh. but the answer is yes. Oh. They should have the ability to, but here's my problem with that. They should have the ability because something has not happened yet because our politicians are likely too stupid to realize we need it. We need something lefty layman who, by the way, we're going to do a show together with you and lefty layman because that's yeah, I know. Blast. <laughs> um, but lefty layman had brought up with me during a show with Paul Engel. We talked about, do we need a digital bill of rights? And Paul Engel took the idea that because we have a constitution already, it's already covered. But I don't believe that we could ever imagine where we would be in a social media world, an age of information algorithms, that I think that there's just this part of our information, the way it's used, the way we can be censored, the way that all this can happen. We deserve to have some type of digital bill of rights to protect our free speech online from private companies that do currently have the right to do what they want to do. So my, my answer is a complex answer of, Yes, the company should be able to do it. No, that doesn't make it right. And yes, we should do something to protect digital rights of all citizens of the earth, especially with AI getting larger as it is right now. It's going to be vital that your identity, your voice. I mean, here we are doing a podcast where AI can learn our voice 
and likely put together its own episode of America Emboldened with you and I, right? So uh, can LinkedIn do this? Yes. Can the market correct LinkedIn if that's made knowledgeable and people know about it? Yes. I mean, it's kind of like COVID. During COVID, uh, I, I had the chance to work as a ghostwriter on a song uh, that was supposed to kind of go under the radar, but we thought that it would get huge. And to this day, I think that song has 350 views on YouTube. And the only reason that song's got 350 views on YouTube is I know it was censored. I know it was throttled because of the content. It was talked about people losing their jobs because they refused to get vaccinated. And I, I look back on that song, and I'm like, damn, that song was really, really good. But YouTube throttled the hell out of it as well as anybody that was posting information that was true and factual, but didn't meet the official narrative of Google, which was being dictated to by our intelligence agencies and the CDC, which we now know thanks to the Twitter files. So when you look at, are we out of the woods yet from social media? Hell no, we're not out of the woods, but we're also willfully participating in it, right? Like none of us are taking to the streets and saying, screw you, Mark Zuckerberg, screw you, Google, uh, you know, F you YouTube for doing this. We're all going back for the content the next day. And anybody that says they're not going back for the content the next day is a liar because um, it's true. I mean, we're continuing to use it until we demand that we should be treated better than that. Nothing's going to change in the, the overlords, so to speak. They know nothing's going to change. They know that basically they have you, you're handcuffed to this technology. And that's why I'm optimistic about Elon Musk, but I'm scared out of my mind about Elon Musk. I had a conversation today because Elon Musk for uh, verified accounts allows you now to upload eight gigabytes or two hours worth of video footage. And somebody, uh, David Weissman, who I've been on spaces before, he's going to be a guest on my show next week. He had said, can you explain to me why you wouldn't just upload the YouTube? And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. YouTube, things get lost, they get taken down. Twitter could be a, a user interface where all of your brand is located. I could have my podcast, video podcast right there on Twitter. Maybe eventually audio goes on the Twitter. My thoughts, my, my realm of, you know, my stream of consciousness is put there, things I'm retweeting. So you could go to at real Greg Bolden or at last call um, caravan. Caravan. <laughs> caravan. And you could, I almost said podcast. And I remembered it was caravan. Um, you could find all of our information, right? And so I'm optimistic about Elon and what he's doing with this whole X concept, because maybe that gives control back to the people, but I'm scared out of my mind with the new CEO. I don't trust Linda whatsoever. And there's part of me wondering if Elon's not being used at this point. Um, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong about Elon, but I don't know. So short answer to the question is yes, they should be able to do whatever they want to do because they're private companies, but we should have digital rights. And it's something that's probably two decades behind the curve already. And so that needs to happen much sooner than later. What's your thoughts on that? I think you're hundred percent right with uh, the digital rights. Now, this is something that we have now been forced to face uh, ever since Trump came into office. We've been seeing a kind of legislation being, I shouldn't, maybe the legislation isn't uh, the right term. Uh, it's almost as if you're guilty until proven innocent, right? Trump was accused of everything, and then Trump had to 
say, no, I'm not. And here's the reason why I'm not guilty of what you're accusing me of. And then you get into uh, the Biden administration. And what do they do? They pass all of these laws. And then by the time it gets overturned, they've already accomplished what they intended to do. So in this case, you're right. The, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution should be applying to the interwebs, but it's not. So they were able to steamroll over everybody. And now we have to fight for basically our freedoms that we should have inherently. I mean, go back to COVID and all the mandates with what the governors were doing and what employers were doing. Same thing there. So I don't know where this switch occurred, where we now have to validate our existence and our rights instead of our rights being, oh, as a business, I can't violate this stuff because it's part of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. You know what I mean? It, it shouldn't be that. And, you're, and I think with Elon and that new CEO, I think Elon, just like DeSantis, he says and does the right things. But when you've got a CEO with that kind of pedigree, the World Economic Forum pedigree, I think it really does set the stage for a lot of sabotage. I mean, even after Elon Musk took over Twitter, you still had accounts being banned and suspended and censored. And it was supposed to be a free speech platform. I think with this, uh, what's her name? Linda, is that it? Linda? Linda Yakavoka? Yaka Kuchi, I don't know. Yeah, I did a show on it. I should know it. Yeah, no, me too. She's like Italian mix. Yeah. Yeah. I, she I never think, looks the same in any photo. Like yes. every photo, she looks completely different. I've never met somebody more photogenically shifting uh, than her in a photo. It's just it's weird know. that she looks so different. Have you looked at Biden and you know the ear tags and all that other stuff? I mean, yeah, I mean that's what <laughs> that's what around. plastic surgery and a, <laughs> plastic surgery and maybe possibly a body double for uh, public appearances does for you. Ah. Which, by the way. A lot of people use body doubles. This is not yes. some conspiracy theory. It's for safety. It's it's something the Secret Service has done for a long time. Ever. Forever. Um, but yeah. Yep. No, I, I anyway. think you're 100% right about Twitter. Absolutely. And hey, it should so, be watched. So I know we got about five minutes here in the show, and I have two things I wanted to get into. One, we'll spend just a quick little segment in. And the last, I think we got to kind of wrap up in kind of a three-minute take. So Dennis Kucinich everybody's uh, favorite long shot Democratic yeah. presidential hopeful back in 2008's election. Uh, he has decided he's going to be the campaign manager of RFK Jr. I've heard you do a couple different shows on RFK Jr. You're not a fan uh, from what I can tell. Now, I, I was his stock rose when I read the real Anthony Fauci. Um, I've heard some great speeches by him, but you're finding that he's got a lot of ties to Ukraine. He's got a lot of ties to the globalist regime. And, uh, what should people know as now we see somebody, a major, uh, person in politics like Kuznich, uh, backing him as a campaign manager, what should people be aware of? Well, as far as RFK jr is concerned, uh, he had his family member fight in the Ukraine. I mean, the Ukraine is riddled with Nazis. And so you support that kind of thing. And we also support what? We, the, the money trap that the Ukraine is. I mean, how, much, how many millions of dollars did we waste on that Patriot system that just went up and went boom the other night? Yeah. Um, then you also find out that RFK Jr. was cavorting around with Ghislaine Maxwell a lot 
going to all of our events, hobnobbing, rubbing elbows, you know, high-fiving and the whole nine yards. And then during COVID, RFK Jr. didn't necessarily want to lift all of these restrictions because he felt as though it was an opportunity to start environmental reform. So he tweeted out back in March of 2020, coronavirus lockdown hasn't just slowed COVID-19, it reduced lethal air pollution and associated mortality. When lockdown lifts, risks of status quo will return and could worsen as governments weaken environmental regulations and pour billions into polluting industries. So the implication there is that he doesn't want those lockdowns to end without putting in legislation. So he's pulling what the Department of Education did. They didn't want the the COVID lockdowns to end until they got their raises. So when he comes out and says, oh, yes, we need to do we need to have all this bio, uh, big pharma reform, which we do. He's right. He's saying the right things. Look at all of the other stuff. Look at his connections. Look at how drunk he was throughout most of his life and what he was doing to his ex-wives. I mean, there was one final thing from Cheryl Chumley. This is an article from 2014, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We need laws to punish global warming skeptics. What, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean law? Are you going to lock people up? Are you going to round them up and put them in a COVID camp? <laughs> so, so please save me the overly pious attitude about how you're trying to help everybody when you're palling around with Ghislaine Maxwell, human trafficker and child trafficker, and you still want to lock people down because you're afraid that the sea levels are going to rise or the bedrock under New York City is going to sink. But no, I'm not buying that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so the reason why I was interested in Dennis Kucinich with J, uh, RFK, <laughs> JFK, it's a miracle, with RFK Jr. is the fact that Elizabeth Kucinich is uh, Dennis Kucinich's wife. And I, I had the opportunity to meet her backstage at the Rage Against the War Machine rally in D.C. And I, I really, I kept looking at this little guy, Dennis Kucinich, because he's shorter than me and I'm not that tall. I'm 5'8". He's shorter than me. He's got these cowboy boots on and stuff. I look over at his wife and I'm like, she's my age. Like, she, <laughs> what's going on here? I thought it was his daughter. I find out it's his wife. But here's what's really kind of interesting about this. She is the director of policy for the Center for Food Safety. And she works with government affairs directors for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine both of which I think go really well in RFK's wheelhouse. Yes. So I'm wondering what is going on in the background that's going, these are the electable parts of RFK Jr. Don't pay attention to the unelectable parts, which you were just kind of highlighting. Um, and so I think that this Dennis Kushnish thing is, it's a brilliant move by him. Uh, give somebody that knows the lay of the land going through the primary process. And it brings in a uh, family background there. Somebody that's right in the whole GMO conversation. Uh, she's on the board at the Rodale Institute as well. Uh, so very uh, kind of interesting background that we're going to have with both the Kusiniches. And let well, me tell I, you, she looked yeah. like his handler. She looked like his handler oh, at yeah. that event in DC. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had that weird haircut, if I remember. And I do remember the cowboy boots from way back then. Um, yep. But that that's an interesting, I didn't know that. I didn't know that she had that kind of background. So maybe there is something good for that. Maybe there is something that could come out of this that is a positive thing. And maybe I'm just being, uh, uh, I'm just looking so, at this through a jaundiced eye. <laughs> all right, but maybe, so the maybe this is good. 
the final thing, and maybe we'll be talking about this next week on the show. Uh, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. We're going to do it in one minute. Yeah. What are the odds that for the second year in a row, the Supreme Court might literally set this country on fire? Affirmative action. We're hearing by June, we might have a decision in the uh, fair admissions versus Harvard University case in um, North Carolina. I, I think that this is going to be a hot, hot topic. So I didn't know enough about this one. So is this about if I was there? Was this an Asian student? Uh, so I got to go this. So, yes, but basically it's going at the crutch of affirmative action as a hiring process and for uh, the process of college admissions. And there's from what I'm hearing, it's going to be overturned, which means colleges will no longer uh, be uh, holding to the affirmative action and businesses would not be holding to hiring people of color hiring X amount of women, et cetera. And so it would reset what was set back in, I don't have the year ahead of me, but I think it was yeah, 1964, yeah. 67, somewhere around there. I I think that if they do overturn that, I think that it would be, it would be another Antifa BLM thing. A lot of people outraged and also a lot of people that are probably being paid. Because if you look at all the other institutes and what they're doing, they're lowering the standards of entry. So mm -hmm. you don't need to pass an LSAT. You don't need to take an SAT to get into school. You don't even need to take MCATs in some places anymore. You could just get walk off the street and be a doctor. And if you're doing that, then that kind of deflates the whole idea of having affirmative action in the first place, because the whole argument from affirmative action is that you're only accepting white people instead of Asian, black, you know, whatever you got. But at least when I went to college, those minority groups were having their test scores padded. So if you're if you're reducing the entry level, then it really doesn't matter anymore. So everybody's going to get in. I think right. I think if they do overturn that, sure, everything's going to get lit on fire and we're going to have another George Floyd kind of situation and everybody will get over it, but overall will it change anything? No, I really don't think so. Yeah, and I, here's the I other wonder. thing. Why do we assume that minority groups need help to begin with why aren't why why does nobody assume that hey they are just as smart as the supposed white guy or the white girl how come nobody can say hey yeah they're just as smart they're just as good at taking tests and they're just as competent in every other field that a supposed white person is supposed to be better in it's it's silly so it's racist it is racist i mean i i wonder if in times of 2023 if affirmative actions as necessary as it was in the 1960s, uh, you go to the 1960s and you had uh, policies even even up through like I think the 1980s and 1990s in the NFL. Did you know that they wouldn't offer as much money for concussion injuries to black athletes as white athletes and in insurances? Did you know this? No, I had no yeah, idea. Be, well, this is this is why maybe affirmative action was necessary at one point in time. Oh, perhaps sure. that might because. Uh, they deemed that a black person's brain could not be as smart and would not have the same potential as a white person's. Oh, good. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, obviously there was a place for this because there's yes. some horrible racist thinking and policy, but I wonder if we've, we've moved the needle at all in 2023 that 
affirmative actions as needed. Now, I'm sure that, you know, me as uh, not a person of color uh, having this conversation, I'm not the expert on this to know what's going on, but I could probably get somebody on the show and have a conversation. So if this does get overturned or as we get closer, maybe we, you and I can get somebody on to interview to help educate both of us and ask those difficult questions and find it all out. Definitely. Absolutely. I used to be on, a, on an old African-American network, so I'm sure I can dig somebody up. Excellent. I'll let you start working on that. And that sounds okay. like a, a blast. And we'll see if we can get that for people within the next couple of weeks. Yes, absolutely. All right, Chris, it's been fun as always. My listeners, you can always go to Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels on Spotify and everywhere you find your podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts. He's, he's everywhere. Uh, he's all over the place. And he's also on Twitter at Last Call Caravan. Make sure that you go give him a follow, give him an ad. He'll be back with me next Friday to do this all again, recapping the stuff from the week. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, you're part of the family now. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to bring over food now. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. We'll, 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 we'll toast one another, too. Yeah, I'm just going to show up. Hey, you got a, got a spare couch? <laughs> uh, make sure you bring the producer. We need the parakeet to come along. Oh, Chi-Chi will definitely attend. Right now, she's very, very busy. She has a bell on her head. And um, she's just hanging out there. <laughs> All right, everybody. This has been great. We hope that we've honored your time. Well, we covered a crap load of topics today and hopefully sent you off into the weekend. Well informed. We'll be back doing more episodes next week and I'll be with you come Monday. You've been listening to America emboldened with Greg Bolden and Chris here on the America out loud network. Be bold America. Thank you.